Hello and welcome to the Give Yourself the Chat podcast. I'm your host, Peter Lewis, and this show is all about leadership, coaching, and living a life of high performance. So hi, everyone. Welcome to Give Yourself the Chat podcast, uh, another episode. Uh, and I'm really excited to introduce you to a chap called Glenn Tranter, who I've only met on social media, but I'm meeting so many wonderful people on social media during this lockdown. So, uh, Glenn, it's, it's good morning for me, but I think it's good evening to you over in Australia there. Yes, it is. It's uh, just on 6.30 p.m., so the uh, family's eating dinner, and it's, it's lovely to be here, Peter. Very welcome. It's lovely to have you with us. Um, you would have got, I'm afraid you get the second prize. You're, you're not my furthest podcast guest. I actually had another chap last week from Melbourne um, on, and so he got the prize for furthest. But uh, coming in second is not, not too bad. It's wonderful to have you with us. And today we're going to explore an awful lot of, of um, what's, what you and I are passionate about. And we'll, we'll come on to the subject material in a second. But for the, li- for the listener or a couple of listeners now, because this podcast is growing. Um, we're still in lockdown. It's still pandemic. So um, how, how has it been for you over there in, uh, in Melbourne with, with this whole pandemic? And, and we're beginning to lift it now. So what, what's going on for you? How's your health? How's your family? How's everything else? Yeah, it's sort of been crazy. So I've got um, three children. So two go to university. Um, one of them actually goes to the US. So we brought him back to the US. He's got a scholarship in the US and he's studying business. Um, my wife has been working from home. My youngest, who's 16, he's actually been doing his schooling from home. Yeah. And my uh, consulting work, all of that's gone to remote work that I've been doing. But um, we've juggled things around and um, the family's doing great. Um, so on a personal basis, I've upped my exercise during this period of time because it, it's important that I feel good about myself. Yeah, yeah, very good. So, I mean, one of the primary things is as long as we have our health, there's there's an awful lot of good that can come out of this situation. But of course, a lot of people are being being affected really badly, and it's very devastating. So, we wouldn't wish to sort of uh, belittle that at all. But but if you have your health and and you've got the you know your your family around you, there. I don't know about you, but I've seen this as quite some opportunity, and and not only the opportunity. We were talking about this just for K One Air. Um, you and I are sporting the longest haircuts we've ever had for what over fifteen to thirty years. We were saying so. There's one opportunity for for styling there, but in terms of opportunity for business, I know you're into coaching. I know you've worked with executives over many to about you know working from anywhere, but you've particularly focused on working from home, quite obviously. So tell me about how you've kind of adjusted your business during this period. Yeah, so when COVID first hit, I actually lost two months worth of work overnight. So my entire pipeline just disappeared that I had of what was confirmed business. And while some of that could have been converted to online, the organisations weren't too sure where their next dollar was going to come from. So, and that made sense. So we said, hey, let's, let's leave that as it is at the moment. So that made me focus on the working from home component because that's where the real need was. So I started putting content out there. My background is I've been a consultant for over 20 years. And when you're a consultant, you work from anywhere. You work from the client, from the customer's um, premises. You work from your car. You work from cafes. You do work from home. So I've, I've had a lot of experience in working from home and supported a number of my customers who work from home. So what became a small thing that I was doing became the thing that I was doing. Yeah. 
yeah and i i i've similarly have found it the, the same uh, yeah my work dried up overnight and i've mm-hmm. managed to take a lot of that to the online space but not not everyone because as you say that those businesses are being affected as well and it's yeah it, yeah it's but you know so far so good which which is encouraging but i i know that perhaps you know you've you've not always been working as a consultant i don't know how much you but, but you've had an executive life as well and if we go back yeah. a little bit i'd be fascinated to know what brings you to this point because i i know that there were some some pivotal moments in your life where you've had to make some yeah. real kind of key decisions and, and we're going to kind of broach the theme of of sort of managing stress and burnout on this on this podcast mm. but give us a sense of what brings you to to this point both professionally and personally then yeah. So work ethic, that's something that's always been instilled in me. So I spent my first 14 years on a 1,200-acre farm. So dad managed the farm. We didn't own the farm. And you had your chores. So from five years old, I've been wheeling a wheelbarrow around and cutting wood and doing things like that in the rain, hail or shine. Um, when I went to high school, I was fortunate enough in when I was in year 11, so my second last year of high school, I started playing in a senior men's semi-professional basketball league. So what I wanted to do, I thought I'd be a professional basketballer. And um, I actually had some injuries and then discovered I wasn't quite good enough. So that never really eventuated, even though I played at that semi-professional level for a long period of time. But um, when I did my last high school exam, and I remember everyone was going down the pub to celebrate, I got on my push bike and rode around to businesses in the area I was living in and tried to get a job. And the second business I went to, I got a job. I just wanted to get some money coming in to pay for my car and petrol yeah, and yeah. things like that. Yeah. So I've always had this work ethic. And so I didn't go to university. I went through businesses and I ended up getting into IT when I was 23 years old. And that was an IT consultant. And I worked, I started near the bottom. I was a cadet um, consultant at, on the lowest possible hourly rate and yeah. I couldn't believe customers would actually pay $50 an hour for me way back then. <laughs> We're talking about the 1980s. Yeah. Um, but I worked my way up through the ranks and I spent nearly 20 years in IT yeah. to I ended up being professional services director of Southeast Asia for a US company. So I was travelling to out of every three weeks. I had a young family. I um, was working somewhere between 60 and 80 hours a week. Wow. Um, there was a quota club where you and your partner could go to some event around the world somewhere. I made that half a dozen times. It was a 130% quota club. And so you'd literally sell your soul to yeah. go away for a week. And it looks crazy in hindsight, but that's, yes. <laughs> that was sort of the mindset how I had. So... Um, what sort of got me to that level ended up being quite detrimental because the more I was given, I'd just do. So I just kept on working longer and longer hours. And my wife started noticing something about me that I was getting quite short fused at home. I was always tired. I barely slept. I was only sleeping three to four hours a night because I just couldn't turn off. And um, she'd tell me not to do this, that I need to stop it. And I just ignored her because, um, believe it or not, I was still having fun. Um, most years I had double-digit growth in my business units that I had. Yeah. Um, 
I was earning more money than what I thought was ever possible. Um, so I said, I'll just do it for another five years and then we'll be able to retire. Um, I think I lasted an extra three months and I burnt out. Um, so that was late 2006. And I think I had an anxiety attack at work. Something wasn't right. I remember I just grabbed my phone. I walked out, called my wife, Sam. I said, something's not right. Mm. And then we started going and getting help. And um, I actually didn't work for 15 months. I was wow. in that bad of a way. And it, it was called, it was referred to as being chronic fatigue syndrome. And, and that worked for me from a mental sense yeah. because I'd heard of athletes that had that and I'd, I had this athletic background yeah. um i um was i was still playing a grade basketball at the time um and um so i thought it was this physical ailment but as i went through it and came out the other end i actually realized it was a form of mental illness essentially yeah. my brain shut down and said i just can't do this anymore yeah and and in hindsight i can honestly say it's one of the best things that's ever happened to me and it's one of the best things that ever happened to me because I got to see my kids grow up. So I would have, I got to be involved in my kids more. So when I was overseas or in a state, if I was missing a birthday or a family event or meeting with friends or whatever it was, I'd feel guilty about it. So I've got the challenge of work and then I'm feeling guilty about the things I'm not doing that my parents were able to support me in. So I was really juggling and sort of torn with this situation. Um, and then what chronic fatigue, um, what it did for me, it actually got me to slow down. Yeah. Um, and when I didn't work for 15 months, like my youngest was two years old. Um, we didn't know where our next dollar was coming from. So Sam didn't work at the time because she right. was raising the family. Yeah. She went back to work. So I started looking after our youngest beau. And what I discovered was that I actually love work. Mm. I love the social interaction of work. Mm. I love this concept of being your mind being challenged. Yes. Um, and I wasn't getting that. So my whole mindset changed from where I wanted to work for a shorter period of time and actually retire early. I actually now want to work for as long as I can. Mm. What I want to do, that's length in years, but I want to get the right balance mm. in my working week. So yeah. it's, it's got to be sustainable. And what I was doing wasn't sustainable. So Glenn, there's, there's so much in that. And thank you for kind of just letting us know all that there's a couple of things and when you when you said you know it had been diagnosed and labeled as chronic fatigue syndrome there was a, that that part of you thought it's almost like yes that's what athletes have and that's kind and that association yeah. with a label was you know actually in hindsight not, not necessarily a, a, a healthy attachment to that label because it almost reinforced the the mindset and the behavior that had brought you to that point which, Absolutely. Which yeah, it, it was just how my mind worked. And, yeah. and what I discovered is that whenever I'm talking to someone who's going through some challenges, is labels don't matter. Mm. People want to put a label on it. They want to put us in a box. Yeah. Whatever's happening to the individual I think is quite unique to them. Yeah. What's more important is what we do to get out of our situation. Yeah. That's far, far more important. So sure, there's got to be some analysis, some diagnosis and stuff, yes. but let's let go of the label. So because that, to me, that's the irrelevant piece. Yeah, and I guess, I guess to start with, it, it helps to um, 
identify and put a vocabulary around it but then really mm-hmm. it's it's the actions you take as a support ne- ne- mechanisms and things like that i, I want to kind of come in onto that a little bit more in a second but there's there's a number of things i mean before we came on air you, we were talking just kind of quickly getting to know each other about you said your kind of personality was you know even when he went out for a run every run had to be a pb you know you were, yeah. and so i can see how that 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 drive is can be very seductive. I mean, you did it for years and years and years. You yeah. were, I forget the name of that sort of the, the holiday that you earned for being the sort of highest earner type yeah. of thing. But I, I wonder when, when you actually went on those, those trips that you had won through the fact that you were one of the star performers, could you even switch off and enjoy those? Because the irony is you worked really hard to have this kind of downtime. I'm, I'm imagining you, downtime wasn't something that even existed back in your former yeah. self. I didn't do a great job of it, or, although sometimes I'd I'd actually party quite hard and drink myself. <laughs> so, well, again, similar yeah. behaviours coming out, though, isn't it? You absolutely, know. absolutely. So, one of the things that I learned through chronic fatigue was that I actually didn't have an off switch, as crazy as this sounds. Mm. So, I'd have many scenarios where the head office that I worked for, head office was in Chicago. They would send me an email on their Thursday, which means I would get it on my Friday and they'd say, hey, I need X, Y and Z by Friday night their time, which was sometime my Saturday. Now, I want to spend time with my family. So instead of pushing back and saying, hey, guys, you've got to give me more time for this, I would do it. So I'd stay at the office on Friday night to 10 p.m., 11 p.m., 1 a.m. I would do the work. I had just had this crazy, crazy mindset And that's why it just wasn't healthy. So it's what got me there. I couldn't maintain that level. And and that's why I say burning out was such a good thing that happened to me because um, it could have been I've I've got full 100% health. It could have been far more serious than that. Mm. So it's interesting because it... We hear this often. People get a wake wake up call. You know, they're, they're living an unhealthy lifestyle, and the way you describe it is, even though you're kind of going full gas, it's unhealthy. Let's you know, and it's yeah. it may be a different type of unhealthy to somebody that's smoking themselves or doing whatever or drinking too much. But but it takes that wake up call. Uh, and now looking back, it's, you can see you can join all the dots. But going forward, did you have any recognition of the? the sort of the, the cliff edge that you were you, you were hurtling towards? When, was there a recognition? You mean at the time, was yeah. there a recognition? Yeah. Um, I'll sort of say no, um, even though it was happening. Like I got um, in 2006, around the middle of the year, I got whooping cough. Mm. Um, I was registered on the state medical records. I had to be locked up at home for a period of time. And... Um, but it was just, oh, that's just, I was unlucky. I travel a lot, so I must have picked it up somewhere. Yeah. But I was so run down, I was picking up all these things. Mm-hmm. So it just wasn't healthy whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. that's a, so, so fast forward now, so we're now sort of present day. We're, we're now sort of 10 years beyond that, that time in your life. Um, yeah. so, so how have you adjusted that? Because that personality that that drive and everything how have you channeled that energy because that's something that i'm guessing doesn't go away it's, it's part of who you are so how have yeah. you managed to harness that for the good of yourself but also the good of the people that you're you're here to serve yeah yeah it, really really interesting so to get better there was a whole range of things that i did and there was no one silver bullet bullet um one of the important thing and a lot of it was learning about myself 
Mm. Um, but one of the important things that I did was meditation. So this concept of mindfulness, mm. this concept of sitting down and thinking about nothing. You know, the first six months that I had to sit down and think about nothing when I was trying to meditate, I tried so hard to think about nothing, I absolutely wasted it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely wasted it, 100%. It, it was this concept of just letting go. It wasn't something that I came from because you have a sporting injury, so if you sprain your ankle, then you strap it up and you get out and you're back out there on the field or on mm, the court or, mm. or doing whatever you're doing. But your mind, you can't do that to your mind. So I had to learn to start watching my thoughts. I had to learn to take control of my thoughts. So I was actually quite undisciplined without realising it, yeah. um, but I got some more discipline around that. So that mindfulness sort of piece really, really helped me. Um, so then I started... And it was really funny, in um, 2007, I was doing a couple of types of meditation. Uh, Zen meditation was one. I was going to a monastery uh, near me, um, and the head of the monastery um, was a Vietnamese guy in his 60s um, who actually fought in the Vietnam War for Vietnam. A really, really interesting guy, full of so much wisdom. And as I was getting better, he said to me, hey, I think you're getting better. I said, yeah, I I feel like I am. He says, what do you want to do? And I'll never forget this. All of the negative thoughts came out of my mouth of what I didn't want to do. I didn't want to go back to IT. I didn't want to do what I was doing again. And his response was, I think you should help people. And I'm like, me, how can I help people? And he goes, time's up. (laughs) And so he let me ponder that thought for a week. And in that week, I worked it out. Ah. It was the irony of my expertise was that I was good at achieving, but I was good at achieving at, at, at working really, really hard was that I wanted to help people achieve their outcomes easier. I wanted to help people to be able to get balance, to be able to deal with stress, to be able to actually just get their work done with an absolute minimum of fuss. Um, mm. And I went and joined a company who did just that. And I, I joined them as a sales rep to start off with. And it was something quite a light and easy role as that sort of introduced me back into the workforce. Ah, okay. But isn't that interesting about switching to a more of a life of service or, or how you can help others rather than yeah. perhaps up until this point, it was that sort of ego-driven helping myself to a hit targets and whatever, but never actually thought about how much more successful you can be if you yeah. just have a more externally referenced piece. And we, 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 were, we were talking about ego before we kind of hit record there. And, and it's, it's in, interesting. Habits, ego, purpose, meditation keeps coming up with all my podcast guests. And, and we're talking about very different subjects, but there are some foundational things. And I know mindfulness is something. And uh, Glenn, I, I'm, I'm with you on that one. My, my meditation practice, it, it's the, the world's simplest thing to explain, but it's one of the most hard skills oh, that yeah. you can try and develop, isn't it? It's, um, and yeah. I was chatting to somebody recently who said, well, just you know, learn to observe the thought. Don't, don't follow the thought. And so I'm, I'm practicing every morning doing it. Um, but I guess that's the point. I mean, your your Vietnamese sort of monk friend there would say, well, you know, the, the power is in the process. Again, it's yeah, not a absolutely. it's not a finish line you're racing towards. It's just the process which is yeah. helping you, and you need to recognise that. 
let's let's talk about ego as well and how perhaps the the ego kind of plays into some of the problems that we might face and 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 perhaps how managing the ego can 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 help people what what's your kind of thoughts and view around that subject well i I think to be successful it's good to have a healthy ego i I think we've got to believe in ourselves. i think we've got to believe that we're good we've i think being driven conscientious all those sorts of things i think are fantastic attributes um we just got to be mindful that they don't get to dangerous levels Mm. that we've got to be able to manage it somewhat so i'm a way better listener than what I ever was okay. because when, when my ego was really big, I had all of the answers. Even if I didn't have the answers, I had an opinion. Um, <laughs> what I've learnt is perspective is such a powerful thing in understanding someone else's perspective. And they may not be the loudest talker. They might be someone quiet. But if you can pull out someone's perspective from them mm. and you stop and think, you go, hey, I haven't thought about that. That's not a bad idea. Let's yeah. flesh this out a little bit more. So this concept of being inquisitive I think is such a great thing and this is for leaders because leaders have to be invested in their people. Leaders need to be understanding but they also need to be trying to, trying to understand what works best for individuals because how someone works isn't necessarily what works best for someone else. Mm. So we've, we're juggling all these different types of personalities and all these different types of people. So how do we manage that best? And, and I think this servant leadership, this, this concept of we're there to serve, that we're there, we're interested in people and we want to get a culture that people care about. Um, when we're able to get that happening, the result's just amazing what happens. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's it, it's it's funny. I think when that when that penny drops and and you you know you decide to give people a damn good listening to rather than a talking to and just sort of sit on your hands as far as your opinions concerned, the magic really happens. So part of, part of the listeners, uh, you know, a lot of them will be business owners, executives, and and people that would perhaps potentially get caught up in in the kind of the, the hustle and, and the grind and everything else like that. But, you know, if they were, if they were to kind of work with you, how, how do you get people to kind of recognize before it's too late and help them manage and get more balance? Um, what, what, what kind of things would you, would you begin with and start with with them? Yeah. Well, that, that's a really interesting question because you've got some folks who are like myself back in 2006 who or pre-2006 were going, no, I'm fine. Um, but what I'm really trying to understand is, is, is with people, with what they're doing, is it scalable? Now, if it's scalable, is it sustainable? So if they were to take on a bunch of additional responsibilities tomorrow, what would the impact of that be? Mm. Now, there's a lot of bravado out there saying, yeah, yeah, I'll be fine with that. But as we drill further and we start looking at their results, their performance, um, what the interests are, what are they doing in that integrating work-life family together, we start to find some holes. Mm -hmm. So the first thing that we've got, someone to coach someone, they've got to want to be coached is the very first thing. Yeah, of course. If they're there with, if they're there with, I'm trying to fold my arms here on the camera, but if they're there with their arms folded, then it's really, really difficult for that. 
So um, I want to, I work with people who are invested in improving. So we're trying to find that connection because I'm someone, I'm actually not going to leave them alone. I'm, I'm going to challenge them and push them to try and help get the best outcome for them. Yeah. Now, if they don't want it, then that's a, that's a bad fit for them. That's a bad fit for me. So they're, they're really wasting their money with me mm. if mm. that's okay. So I'm, I'm very upfront with that mm. because I want the best outcome for the individual as such. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, but, but it is predicated on the individual recognising that they potentially might need the assistance or, or help. And what we don't want is, is a generation of people rushing towards that cliff edge and, and, and then yeah. it's that moment when they've realised oh, something's got to change, isn't it? Yeah. And, I, and I guess things like podcasts and, and you know, I know you, you've written a book on this kind of thing, it helps just to try and raise awareness around that. But we can only do so yeah. much. An individual needs to recognise in themselves that, that they, they need to help. But, but therein lies the challenge. I mean, it happened to you, it's happened to me. We don't necessarily recognise the warning signs, do we, of what we're heading for? No. No, no, we don't. And, and sometimes, so what I'll do is I'll ask, so if I work with someone, I'm also working with their leader as well, because I want to understand. And I ask the leader questions. So what's three things that you'd like to see differently after the engagement? Yeah. Um, what do you like to see do more of? What would you like to see them do diff- less of? And what would you like to see them do differently? Yeah. Um, and then we start to try and reconcile this data together, because often leaders don't communicate necessarily well with their people. So the people think they're, they're going along swimmingly well, but in actual fact, they're, they're struggling. They're not achieving what they're expected to be achieving. So I'm often that circuit breaker, that reconciliation point. Yeah. And we do it in the nicest way possible because it's about getting the best out of people. So it's not about giving them a hard time, but it's also stretching them a little bit so they get something that's goodness that's coming out the other end. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely. What's your views on um, uh, the sort of the hustle culture? You know, they, uh, you know, you, you see it on the internet. Those, you know, it's you know, it's the four a.m. club. It's the get up at five club. It's it's go smash it, smash it, smash it. What, what's your kind of yeah. view on that? I could probably guess, but yeah, what's your take um, on that? Well, it's funny when when I wrote my book, I got up at five a.m. every day, yeah, and I wrote it between five a.m. and seven a.m. And I knocked it out in six weeks. Mm. Um, but it sort of nearly killed me along at the same time because I found my productivity dropped right off throughout yeah. the day. Yeah. So that doesn't work for me. I, I, I see people who do it and, I, and my take is, and I ask them a few questions about it. And, and if it's really working for them, I say, hey, knock yourself out. Keep on yeah. doing it. Sure. But that's yeah. not something that I would do personally. Mm. Because yeah. if the rest of your house that you live in isn't in sync in those times, then there's a good chance you're just reducing the amount of hours sleep you're getting throughout the night. Mm. And I think managing energy is so much more important than managing time. So I look at, I ensure that I manage my energy levels. Yeah. And I think that's the important thing. I mean, I, I have an early morning routine, but it's a, it's meditation, it's stretching, it's reading or listening to a, uh, an audio book, it's running. And then it's a, a contemplative breakfast and what I mean by that is you know I, I don't put my don't access my inbox until I've had time for me so I build that time mm. it just so happens it starts around about sort of six o'clock in the morning or so but yep. I recognize that actually it's the management of energy so sometimes I set an alarm, non-alarm date just let my body wake up when it needs to wake up because it, yeah. 
to your point, burnout is just literally burning that candle until there's nothing left to burn and then and then trying to burn it some more. I think the, the management of energy, and I love I love how authors like um Ariana Huffington, she talks about the power of the you know, sleep and this is not, yes. you know, saying that you're busy is not a badge of honor. Saying that you've only no. had three hours sleep is not clever. Stupid, yes. you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, and like, I'm really feeling for a lot of um, the people who are working from home at the moment who are homeschooling with young families. Oh, yeah. Who, you know, that some of these war stories, like, they're just horrific yeah. of working 11 p.m., 1 a.m., you know, barely getting any sleep because they're concerned about their job in a tough yes. economic climate. Yeah. Um, and it's such a relevant point. So with everything that's going on, organisations still have to be saying, what about the people? If people are our greatest asset, then we need to understand that everyone's situation is quite unique and we need to give support and assistance to those who need it. Yeah, yeah. I I, I know you, your kids are, are sort of grown up and coming back from university and whatever. My children are... Well, they're not children anymore. Eighteen and fifteen. It's but yeah, yeah those I've got some friends who've got toddlers, and to your point, they have the day with them, and then their working day starts at seven, eight at night, and goes through. And you think, well done for you for being conscientious, but it doesn't look sustainable. And but so, what is your employer doing to help you with that? Because I think employers need to get to the realization that. I think what's really nice about this whole situation is that because we do so many of the video calls, you know, I've got a window into your, into your life there. You can see into my life. And, yep. and I think actually this brings us closer together and creates a far more empathy of, of each other's situations. But unless we learn this lesson and take it forward with us, because, you know, working from home used to be, really, can we trust them? Well, we've all been working yeah, yeah. from home for the last few months and, it, you know, we're, okay, we're all suffering, but we're still getting on. If we don't harness that, I think we'll just reset ourselves. Oh, we absolutely will. And I, I think the opportunity here is the next extension of this is true flexible working, true yeah. flexible working with flexible hours, with flexible forms of engagement, um, where we're integrating this work and life so much better. Now, I, there are some companies that will head down that path mm. and there's others that are just going to go straight back to what they were doing. And, yeah. and, and, and I think we've really got to be looking at this and saying, hey, if I want to attract the best talent and the best talent in a virtual work environment is actually a global talent pool, yeah. if I want to attract the best talent, then I need to be offering flexible working. Yeah. And I need to have my systems and support structures and ensuring people, okay, if someone doesn't know how to work effectively from home, Let's get them help so that they can work effectively from home. Yeah. And then we're going to get the gains out of it. Yeah. So it should be that the glass is overflowing from this rather than being a glass half empty. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think the more progressive organizations will, will do that. And I work with some of my clients. It's been amazing what they've done for their, their workforce, which, which is awesome. Yeah. We're kind of um, rapidly coming to the end of our time, Glenn, but I'd, I'd like to bring it back to you personally and, and ask, you know, the nature of this podcast, give yourself the chat really about how, you know, when, when you feel up against it or where you feel like taking the easy routes uh, with, with the situation you're in. And I'm so glad that you found more peace now and are of service to others, considering your, your background and everything else like that. Mm. But in those moments where you still feel 
feel that the, the pressure or the pain, how do you kind of manage that, that we can perhaps take away just as, as an idea or something to reflect upon? Yeah. Um, so I'm still very driven. So make mo- no mistake about that. That's, that's part of my white makeup. Mm. But I don't do it to crazy levels now. So when I'm feeling that pinch, um, sometimes I just put it down and we'll just go for a walk outside because I just need to reset. Um, if I'm finding I'm not effective, I might even go for a run or a bike ride so mm. I can come back, get some perspective because whilst I'm out and I'm thinking about things because typically when I'm in the city, when back in the old days when we would go to face-to-face meetings, um, I generally wouldn't catch a tram or a taxi between meetings. I would walk between meetings because I wanted just that walking opportunity. Um, but I think better at those times because mm. I get to reflect on things and I start, oh, well, here's here's a better way of doing it. It's obvious, isn't it? (laughs) Why aren't I doing that? So I take those moments. So I'm not as harsh on myself as I used to be. Um, And I'm looking for opportunities or I might ring up um, one of my uh, customers or or another consultant who I know and I might ask them a question. I might say, hey, I'm struggling with this. You got any ideas? Yeah, yeah. And so that's interesting because it's um, you're still driven but not being so harsh on yourself isn't letting yourself off the hook. I think it's just a more productive way of channeling that energy into something that will solve the problem or yield understanding rather than beating yourself up about it. And I think we can, especially in these sort of remote times, really kind of get locked up in our own inner headspace. And part of yeah. that is to, like I say, either have a, have a release. And I, I'm with you. You know, my, my wife says when, I'm, when she notices, notices the signs of me getting a little bit kind of fidgety, whatever, she said, get yourself out for a run because she knows that's how yeah. I reset and you come back refreshed. And I think a lot of us know this, but I think the temptation is when we're working in this sort of lockdown period, you can just be on this, the, these video calls all the time and you forget that you need to transition between events to be. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And and just the craziness of some people being on back-to-back Zoom meetings all day. Yeah. And it's like, why? Yeah. Surely we don't need to be doing that that often. Surely. Because if we're working in the office, we still get a point in time throughout the day where we've actually got to do our work. Yeah. Because otherwise, nothing gets done. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think of all the good that can come out of this situation, that particular habit of back-to-back Zoom meetings or just squeezing, that, that is something we don't want to be carrying forward. We, we need to be carrying forward. No. How do you manage that in a productive way? Because you're right, for, for every opportunity, there's always the, the, the downside there. Um, mm. Glenn, this has been absolutely fantastic. I, I, I know it's the evening there for you, so I do appreciate you giving up your time to, to be with us. And and I know that even though we've only met on LinkedIn, we've got to know you so much better. We'll have you on again further down the road. And, um, and, and it's just great to connect with you. And thank you for doing what you do. So if people are, you know, um, interested in, in your work further, what, what's the best way of kind of getting in touch with you or finding more? Yeah. So my website is www.glentranter.com, which is Glenn, G-L-E-N-N. Tranter, T-R-A-N-T-E-R.com. And as you mentioned, I'm also on LinkedIn. So I'm posting content every day on LinkedIn. So I tend to share some um, thoughts around out there and would love anyone to uh, connect with me through LinkedIn as well. 
Well, fantastic. Well, on that note, considering that we met on LinkedIn uh, and we now know you an awful lot better, uh, it's wonderful to have you in, in my community and, and sort of the service that we, we can help each other with. Uh, Glenn, thank you so much for being on Give Yourself a Chat. Thank you so much, Peter. Another fascinating guest with Glenn Trant there on the Give Yourself the Chat podcast. Really enjoyed chatting with him. And I think we can all recognize some of those traits that that lead to burnout or stress or or being um, less than mindful, shall we say. And we can all look back in hindsight and, and, and see how those decisions start to aggregate and compound and and sadly for, for Glenn, it reached a point where he had to take 15 months off work due to burnout. But as he said, it's the, it's the best thing that ever happened to him. So I think for us, it's to recognize those patterns before they get to that, that uh, tipping point or that, uh, that uh, cliff edge, if you like. So if you enjoyed this one, please hook up with me over on LinkedIn. Suggest some other podcast guests that you think would be useful for Give Yourself a Chat and, and indeed some other subject matter as well. Um, it would be great to hear from you. But for the time being, look after yourself and I'll see you on the next one.